If Peter would have paid attention in English class, he would have foreseen his own death. But the girl in front of him had a great ass! This is Spooky Spoilers! <laughs> I don't even know if that requires any editing, Stevie. I think you just nailed it. Yeah, it's pretty spot on. Oh my. Well, you guys know me by now. I will do anything to get a heat reference in every episode I possibly can. So, Hereditary just kind of lent itself to it. Hello, everybody. This is your host, Stevie. And tonight, or today, or this morning, whenever you're listening, wherever you're listening, we are covering the most terrifying movie I've ever seen, 2018's masterpiece, Hereditary. How pumped is everybody for Spooky Spoilers Hereditary Edition? Well, we went from It, the miniseries, to Hereditary. And, you know, there's... It's a big jump. It is, really is. You've got a Grand Canyon-sized leap between those two movies, but they're both really fun to talk about. Oh, let's see. Tonight's question is, because this movie is so heavy, I want to make it somewhat light. So, Grandma, who is the queen, marrying a demon, uh, we find out. Uh, let's go from Isis to Isis. What do you think their wedding song was? Or what would you want their wedding song to be? Their first dance. What do you think? Hmm. East to West. Is that Mikey? Oh, sorry. Um, uh, Let me give Mikey some time to go, since we're so okay. close in Elkhart. Josh is on top of demon first dances. Let's go. I got this. First of all, this is Josh from Goshen and Hereditary. More like Hereditary. But I had just get that out <laughs> nice and early. But uh, I honestly really was scared of this film. But I imagine them dancing to "We're All Stars Now" in the Dope Show <laughs> by Marilyn Manson, and I think those pictures of that grandma in that dress were some of like the most kind of like realistic but scariest crap from this movie. So good call out, Stevie. Great question. Thank you. Uh, Mikey recording from Goshen, Indiana. Well, uh, this day just happened to pass by, but September by Earth, Wind, and Fire <laughs> seems, <laughs> seems like it'd be a great opening <laughs> wedding day dance song. That's a celebration right there, Mikey. Got the fire in there. I think that's kind of fitting. I think Joan was cutting a rug if they were playing September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. That's a great choice. Uh, this is Pappy, uh, recording from Louisville, Colorado. You know, not a lot of people go with heavy metal for their, uh, first dance, but I think the number of the beast by Iron Maiden, like the way that the, when the demon like really possesses you, the way that you move, I think that could really lend itself to some like head banging. So let's have them rock out. Just throwing up your shoulder, like all weird, like hundred percent. That'd work. This is Corey, Kylo Ren memes out of Simi Valley, California. I don't know about first dance song necessarily, but I'd, I'd like to think in an alternate edit, like, you know, as they meet and uh, the credits are going to start rolling soon and it's doing a fade out, we hear um, Time of Your Life by Green Day, you know, like <laughs> there's one everyone plays at graduation. <laughs> so it's like we're actually in hell. It can just end on that. Uh, I want to change my answer to the maybe the Monster Mash. <laughs> 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 It was a graveyard smash. <laughs> okay, boomer. 
<laughs> Dude, that's for all generations. <laughs> oh, I think if they wanted to make it really romantic, uh, they would play "Endless Love" for their first uh, for their first dance song. That'd be a great one, I think. Friends listen to "Endless Love in the Dark." What's that? Oh, I guess Brett's not here to get that reference. <laughs> I do get that Happy Gilmore reference. Okay, Thank good. you. It's <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite parts of that whole movie. Um, but if you're listening to this, you've already seen this movie. Um, Wait a second, Stevie. That is a great point. Brett, why isn't oh, he here? Okay. <laughs> There's no spiders in this movie. There are no spiders in this movie. Brett said... I'm happy you picked a movie you like, but I'm not watching a movie with ghosts and demons. Slammed his hand on the table with a... I mean, slammed it down and said, I'm out. He was <laughs> too scared to watch this movie. But I understand he doesn't like ghost stories. Why watch something that's going to... I mean, you're just not going to enjoy it, right? Yeah, he loves Ghostbusters. He does love Ghostbusters. Holy and shit. He, <laughs> he had a plethora of questions for me tonight because... Instead of watching the movie, I even give him credit for this. He read the Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> so, the most Brett move. Oh, so he ruined the movie for himself. He is so staunch in his hypocritical ways. So typical. He is never going to watch this movie. It's very clear by the questions he asked me. He's never going to watch this movie. How scary can a movie even be once you've read the fucking Wikipedia page on it? Like, you know what's going to happen Exactly. Like reading what? is the scariest prospect of all. <laughs> <laughs> Homework? I don't think so, pal. So I think everyone on this pod has seen this movie before besides for Josh, is that correct? Yes. Josh, to you, what was the scariest part of this whole movie? Like what part really stuck with you? Everything. <laughs> Narrow it down. I just trashed Brett for not wanting to watch this, but I really had to, like, man, I watched it during the day. You watched it during the day, amateur I took hour. a lot of breaks, a lot of just walk away, think think breaks, <laughs> <laughs> open the shades for a little bit, take off the headphones. Um, man, like I said, I, th- I think when it's the reveal that you kind of see it coming, but that her mom, Annie's mom, and Joan are in league with each other. And there's those creepy shots of her being wed, and something about that really creeps me out. Um, and then I think some of the stuff they did with the ghosts in the dark, where you can only kind of see them, has some really cool-looking stuff in a really cool-looking film overall. That first ghost scares the bejesus out of me. It's like the one that's in her workshop. Oh, her mom? workshop or whatever. You can barely see it. And I think I was telling you about the CV. It's like, that's not that I've ever yes. think that I've seen a ghost, but whenever you're in your house, like that's what it feels like. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and literally when I saw it, I got goosebumps this time. And I've seen this movie at least twice before. And like, just seeing that face just barely there in the shadows. Oh my God. I'm getting goosebumps now. It's the worst. Yeah. That one looks really good. Like in terms of, um, having a ghost in a movie like that. And you see that a lot. It's like, a very common thing in modern horror movies where, you know, someone looks and you see like the faint ghost image, but the way that one looks, it's hard to put your finger on, but there's something about it that's just like perfect. It's the smile that happens mm-hmm. that really freaks me out. 
There was a smile. Ooh, I didn't even notice the smile. <laughs> oh, big <laughs> smile, bro. <laughs> Dude, I think it's because like our human brain is like putting it together almost like piece by piece as you're looking at it. So for me, I just noticed like for some reason like the waist down of it at first, and it kind of felt like it slowly filled into the top. It was so scary, Pat. <laughs> what about that like little four foot goblin child that's running around for the first half of the movie? And then loses her head <laughs> in the first 30 minutes. Can we be a little sensitive Charlie? about this? So, oh, oh I, right. Yeah, they named that that monster. <laughs> oh, my God. First of all, this Millie Shapiro, nothing against her. She won a Tony at 10 years old. She's like one of like an incredible Broadway actress. Yeah, she's yeah. a good actress. She also looks nothing like Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they obviously put prosthetics on her. She does look weird as shit, though. <laughs> it's scary. And clicking her mouth. Is it almost distracting that no one like mentions that in the movie? Like that, it should be explained why this child is so weird looking. It was explained, Josh. Huh? She had a demon put in her when she was like two weeks old. <laughs> it was explained. You're gonna have some problems. There never was a Charlie. There was only payment. That's why she looks like that. Okay. Can can we get an explanation about the other kid then? About how he's like not white and he has two white parents. That part. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, it's fine. Whatever. I don't <laughs> care. But you think maybe they'd say something like, "No, no, Kyle. I've talked to Stevie about this extensively for years. I defended it at length. And I'm not like one of two things is true. And like like you said, I'm totally fine with either one. Either one. I'm not supposed to read into the phenotypes that I'm seeing on screen. I'm just supposed to assume that it's their kid and whatever. And we're in a post-racial casting world. That's cool with me. I have literally no problem with that. Or I'm supposed to assume like so many other things in this movie that like the little details are hinting to something mm-hmm. bigger. And I've always thought that that baby was like not uh, was born out of wedlock and not to fuck. What's his name? Gabriel Byrne. Yeah, like that was Steve. Doctor Steve. I've yeah, always I, thought that. My head just automatically goes to, oh, he's either adopted or uh, he's, yeah, he's, I don't know, like Pap said, the, his his identity is- He's not adopted because she tried to abort him. Oh, right. Yeah. Or that might explain that part of it, too. Mm-hmm. And the only the only thing that's like of note in that conversation is she says that she tried to abort him and her mom- talked her out of it which i've always thought too you know if she was in like a marriage with gabriel Byrne, gabriel Byrne's like the only fucking normal person in this movie it would seem like he'd be a great dad like she wouldn't be like contemplating an abortion with her estranged mom in this scenario i don't think gabriel Byrne needs a labor day weekend oh my god weekend (laughs) so bad let this man go fishing please his fucking life (laughs) i don't know how that man does it like, you could see the relief, like, you could just see the relief in his eyes, on his face, and in his body, when he's like, my mother-in-law is fucking dead. Like, <laughs> I can go on with my life, you know, write, you know, this great dissertation about this, I'm going to write my book I've been trying to start, my family's going in the right direction. And none of that happened. He does kind of have a couple slick, like, mother-in-law jokes at the beginning, where like the son is like, I don't really feel sad, and the mom is like, I don't know why I feel sad, and he's like, hey, hey, I know what you mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> know what you mean. <laughs> Come in. Hey, good night, kiddo. Good 
Are you, uh, are you feeling okay about everything? Yeah, fine. A little sad? Mm. <laughs> okay, I get it. I know. Good night. Hey. Love you. This movie is strange to me because it works on so many levels. I don't know if you guys have an opinion on it or not, but it's almost like this movie is like 80 minutes of drama and then 40 minutes of horror. Um, do you guys like think like one works better better than the other or was it like a perfect marriage? I heard in an interview that when Ari Aster, who we've covered in Midsommar, before my favorites i might watch that movie again this weekend just after watching this but he said in an interview that when he was pitching it he pitched it more as a drama when he was trying to raise funding for it and i think that's what makes it work so well is that at the core of this movie is a family drama like at the very heart of it i think it's almost more i mean it's definitely a horror movie but it's like a drama with a horror coat of paint on it or something Mm -hmm. and like you talked about so many levels too. This is something I was going to say about the Charlie character. It's, this is definitely a movie, one about, you know, obviously losing a child or losing a parent, like that kind of grief. But two, it's a movie about mental health in a lot of ways too. Like there's something going on with Charlie, obviously. Like the mom clearly is like showing schizophrenia. It's like about mental health without being about mental health, which it's just so good. And not only that, Pat, but I think the initial cut of this movie was over three hours and like. Whoa. From what Ari said, everything they cut off was basically that family drama stuff and conversations. So if there's a Snyder cut of this someday, <laughs> you're going to get a lot more of that of that drama stuff. I think it works pretty well, Stevie, because uh, when we get that twist of the photo book or whatever with the grandma just having a blast in the, at that creepy wedding, it, it just hits so much harder because now you realize that like, whoa, this is actually a cult instead of just a really depressing family. Yeah, because it kind of brings back those previous things that Annie says that kind of her support help group and she's like, my dad starved himself to death and mm-hmm. my brother hung himself at the age of 16 claiming my mom was trying to put people inside of him. Like little toy figurines? <laughs> I think he wishes. Like I think more like payment. Uh, <laughs> like a demon prince or something like, like one of the eight kings of hell king payment that guy um it's really creepy that way and mikey i'm curious get get your answer on this because initially you didn't have a very high rating on this movie yeah i don't know why my letterbox rating was like three and a half stars and why so low what, 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 what changed i really don't know uh, but like Josh today, I had to like take some breaks in between. I think Brett kind of put, put the fear of Satan in me <laughs> with his <laughs> voodoo thinking or something, because I just found it like really tough to get through the first half, but I love the second half of the movie. The first half is really depressing and, uh, just kind of hard to watch. Um, the, the scene on the road is like anxiety inducing and really not fun to watch but i mean it's all of it together is a great movie but if you involve cults in anything i I think i might have just forgotten about the cult switcheroo at the end but i love movies with cults in it if i could offer one critique which may be rare during this podcast for all of us but i think in that first (laughs) half mikey i think the movie is like slow and it hasn't really earned it yet uh like it's just dreadful it's dreadful with like the sound of being dreadful but like 
the story hasn't gotten there yet, and it's with the two oh seven runtime. I just thought they could have maybe tightened that first, maybe third up a little bit. I would I would agree with that that the story is a little slow, but it's totally made up for in like the visual presentation, the cinematography, like the stuff that mm-hmm. they do with the house, like even the transitions, the funeral. the funeral, the transitions between scenes. Like I'm even if the story isn't necessarily like titillating me yet, even if it is more of like I said, a family, a very slow almost glacial family drama like what i'm seeing is so cool looking that i'm very engaged and it has that dreary score sets the tone pretty early it's very stylish i mean i understand what you're saying josh about speeding it up but like there's some pretty awesome things going on, like even when you think it's slow. Like when they get back to like when they get back to their home, like after the funeral, and I imagine they went out to eat after somewhere and they have, you know, saying goodbye to people, whatnot. It's a long time. Like there's people in the cult dumping Helen's body in the attic, like right when they arrive home from that. Like you can hear the footsteps upstairs. Like so there's little things along the way that I think are earned, like by the end of the movie. Can I ask you a question along those lines, Stevie? Yeah. Because I think you've seen the movie the most. So I was doing a little bit of- I've probably seen this movie about 10 times. I was doing a little bit of research. They had a D plus cinema score when it came out. And like I was Ridiculous. This is very anecdotal, but I was like just scrolling through people on Letterboxd who had like logged it multiple times. And like unilaterally, like 100% of the time, like the second and third rewatch of this, if they had it, would be like- half a star a whole star like higher like almost everybody who watches this movie more thinks it's better like was it the marketing that a24 presented like i can't even think back that far like why why do people not enjoy this as much the first time so you and i have probably experienced this before anybody else but a24 as a whole outside of a few very specific movies is horrific at marketing their tagline should just be A24, a dog's gonna die. Get ready. I mean, it's not just that, but it's also like, I mean, remember um, what comes at night or whatever? It comes at night. Like, that was marketed as a pure, like, monster in the woods type horror, adrenaline-inducing, like, fun thrill ride. And that was none of that. And it was, this movie was kind of marketed towards a demon child in the family and things start going wrong. The marketing was a lot of Charlie. Mm -hmm. It was marketed heavily, heavily towards Charlie. And Charlie didn't even make it half the movie. Well, that was an Ari Aster decision I heard because he wanted people like they thought the lead in Psycho would live to the end. He wanted people to think that Charlie would live to the end too. Um, So it was like a kind of a trick, I guess, of the marketing. But I, I get your point as a whole. Yeah, um, that's kind of cool that Ari Aster even had control of that because most directors don't even have a say in how it's marketed. You know what I remember though, for sure, is this was like labeled as the scariest movie ever. That was like in either we get in one the a year. We, we get one a year, or like or like sites with like collide, you know, like collider type sites, like Screen Rant type sites, where like everyone was like running like headlines. Is Hereditary the scariest movie ever? Like that. That was like mm-hmm. I was wondering if it was almost like too hyped but it literally might be the scariest movie i've ever seen though so i don't know why i wouldn't live up to expectations i am so bummed i didn't see this in theaters i watched this at two in the morning on a work night when i couldn't sleep (sighs) and 
one of the worst decisions of my life. Well, actually, one of the best worst, I mean, viewing-wise. Because one, I was horrified and got zero sleep after that. But I remember distinctly thinking that's probably one of the best scary movies I've ever seen. Well, Stevie, you asked me at the top of the pod what scared me the most. What kept you up all night in your head? So, I forget about this scene every time I watch it. I have a mental block of it. And it's one of those things where... I almost stop the movie and walk away every time. <laughs> and no, seriously, this, I, I don't deal with it well at all. It freaks me out every time. And that's when Annie tries to bring back Charlie through that seance at three in the morning with uh, Peter and Gabriel Byrne. And the part that I hate the most is when Payman takes over Annie and starts to speak in Charlie's voice. I <laughs> hate that part. Hello? Mom? 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 I don't like this. Dad, I don't like this. What's happening? Please stop. What's going on? Mom? Please. Please stop. What's happening? Why is everyone scared? Why are you scaring them? Make it stop! Make it fucking stop! Make it stop! It just scares the shit out of me. Do you believe in uh, a seance, Stevie? Do you think that's within the realm of uh, this world's possibility? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll put it this way: I've never touched a Ouija board, and I never will. I like it. So that's my answer to that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't dabble with that shit at all. Corey, I, have you? <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I was gonna ask Corey if he had. I'm doing a Ouija board right now. That's why I've been so quiet. <laughs> what should I say next on the pod? <laughs> this is where I get all my good jokes. Corey, dollhouses and like miniatures and figurines play like a big part in this movie. Um, I've read a lot of reviews online that pretty much saying they serve no purpose and they actually hated it. What do you think of them? I like seeing them, you know, peppered throughout the movie. I think it's one of the first things we see. It was a miniature Mm -hmm. of their house. And then it, you know, does a slow zoom in and it becomes the reality of what we're seeing within their family. I don't know if that's supposed to have some kind of greater meaning. I paused it and I was thinking about it and I was like, eh, we'll see. And I kept watching and I never really got back to that. But I do like seeing them. Some of them are set up in a pretty creepy way at a time when you might expect to see some supernatural elements in the movie. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. it's been enough time. I'm going to see a ghost and you see a miniature of like the grandma in a hallway and it like zooms out and you know, it's, it's a project. It's a miniature that she's working on. So I I definitely liked it. There's like some foreshadowing with the miniatures, right? Like there's some stuff that's like reflected in real life as far as like scary setups and stuff or like the kid laying in bed without a head like dream sequence stuff. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Peter definitely laying in bed without a head. Um, grandma staring at Annie and Gabriel Byrne while they sleep uh, during her psychotic like dementia days. Uh, I imagine near the end of her de- end of her days breastfeeding Charlie. You know, family stuff. To Mikey's question or to Corey's question though, I, I think I, I read from like, it was like a Ari Aster answers all of the questions you had from a hereditary type article and he was saying that the dollhouses are a metaphor 
for that this family is just absolutely being controlled by like these demons. Like basically, like Tony Collette's family is just completely fucked by the grandma from like Jump Street. Like everything like in their life is to deliver payment to the earth, basically. Is that what you got? Yeah. So in Peter's class in the beginning of the movie, while he's staring at that great ass, uh, please insert Al Pacino again. <laughs> great ass! His teacher is talking about Heracles, uh, who is the Greek myth version of Roman Roman god, demigod, whatever, Hercules. And Heracles is pretty much told by an oracle, no matter what he did, he was going to die. And uh, he had someone much like the cult in this movie that was trying to kill him forever. And Heracles pretty much didn't, through his arrogance, pretty much didn't believe that his fate was going to be, you know, death by murder no matter what. He believed that he was going to be a great uh, god and it would end like that. And the tragedy of the story of Heracles is pretty much that he had no control over his life whatsoever, much like the Graham family had no control over their lives, which is what the doll houses represent. Okay, but why is Annie making them? It's her job. It's her job. She's a, that's like her She's artistic like job. Yeah. She, her job is to make miniatures of her own shit. She's a professional metaphor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? <laughs> No, she makes scale models of stuff. Mm-hmm. So she's just making the accident in her like free time and like all the stuff of the grandma is just well, like side yeah, projects. That's, that's her own freaky project. That's her she like has coping, a couple weird coping mechanisms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When she's like getting pressure about like from some gallery, right? Like, I think that's like what shows up in a text. It's like a gallery saying like, hey, do we need us to delay the show or something? Like she's she probably has some free reign as an artist to kind of make whatever she wants if she's at that level they seem to be doing pretty well yeah they do fuck yeah this is one of the coolest houses in a movie i think the even cooler thing about that was none of this movie was shot in a house i think that is so cool that none of this was shot like in that actual house i saw that like ari aster what what is it called like he he planned every single shot of the movie before he even like talked to anybody I, I, like he knew exactly where he wanted the camera. He knew how the block he wanted to look. He knew like the basic dimensions of each set and each room. And like mm-hmm. we talked, go back to a year ago on spooky spoilers from last year when we talked about the collector <laughs> is like that house is fucking chaos. And this is like the opposite <laughs> of that house. <laughs> that house is an MC Escher sketch with just <laughs> stairs going crisscrossing all over the walls and stuff. Can I just put myself out there and say I'm a little worried for Ari Aster's health? Um, <laughs> putting out as much content he does and hearing him by like Tony, Tony Collette said that he was the most prepared director she's ever worked with. And that just seems like an OCD among a bunch of OCD people. And dude, I'm worried he's going to burn himself out. Like it's a lot of detail to take in. I heard he wrote biographies of each character in this in this film before he wrote the screenplay um it just seems a little intense doesn't it i like that stuff that's so funny that you say that because i think stevie on the midsummer episode like that was my only criticism was like dude (laughs) please slow down a little bit it's been less than like 14 (laughs) months since hereditary came out because he started he started midsummer like the day after this premiered like shooting it or something didn't he it was just he's a crazy person he i think 
I think he finished writing it the day after this premiered. Yeah, that was like the screenplay's done. Let's let's shoot it. That's <laughs> Bill Belichick stuff, man. Like <laughs> no offseason. No on Cleveland. Twenty four seven sweatshirt cutoffs for Ari Aster. <laughs> we're we're on to Midsummer. We're not here to talk about the past. We're on to next next movie. It is what it is. It is what it is. It's hoodie mellow season all year round for Ari Aster. But I definitely thought it was cool how this movie was shot completely like on sound stages in a warehouse. Like seeing every room and like the hallways at like an actual house being opened up and, you know, cameras everywhere. And I think you you're on to something, Josh, because I was watching like behind the scenes videos of this today and yesterday and like the set seemed really lighthearted before they said action. It kinda reminded me of prisoners where people were joking around with each other and then when they said action it went to Jesus Crisis movies dark. Um which I have to imagine that's the only way they could shoot it. Um but there are definitely scenes of like Ari Aster saying, Hey, let me shoot this again and there's literally no difference of what just happened. He goes, Oh that's the one. That's perfect. So he might be a tad O C D. Did you hear that Alex Wolf as Peter went as Peter on and off set the entire shoot. Sounds about right. It's an IMDB fact. <laughs> he plays a 16-year-old. He's going full method. We love method acting here on Spoiler. <laughs> How uh, difficult is it to stay in method acting while you're being possessed in the movie that you're <laughs> that you're trying to method act in? That's got to be kind of annoying for most people on <laughs> he's, set. He's just walking by the craft services table going... Smashing his face and shit. Paymon wants enchiladas. (laughs) Can we? uh, Can we break down the lore, Stevie? I don't want to go through the plot at all. Like, but like, who is Paymon? Like, I is that like a thing I should know? Because I was had no exposure to Paymon. What he is 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 Ari Aster like mashing up these different. Like occult things? I didn't get to that part in the research. Aren't they all connected in some way? Or his movies? I thought I heard maybe that was a theory. It's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> they did say something out of like, we came to you in the Northwest, Payman. I haven't seen Midsommar, but is there something about it being in the Scandinavian area that's a certain like Teffel King there? I don't know. The Yellow King. Um, No, so... As far as I could tell, Payman comes, I believe, comes up, like, in actual literature around the 16th century. Um, and that's where that... I knew nothing about Payman before this movie whatsoever. Uh, but pretty much all I know is what from the movie shows is, um, he needs a male host... And he's going to enter in the most susceptible male host, which ends up being Peter, because Gabriel Byrne ends up getting fried alive. Um, And he can't really use his full powers uh, when he was born into Charlie. And I want to bring this up, too. Like, here's my thought on it. Like, there never really was a Charlie. So, like, did Payman not know that he was, like, one of the kings of hell to the very end? Because like because Char- John at the very end calls Payman Charlie and says, "Here's who you are." I don't think she knew. It didn't. I mean, didn't seem like it to me. I didn't see any mm-hmm. like hints here and there. 
in my brain, it was like only one of the seven Horcruxes were living in Charlie. <laughs> and then like once they were put in a male form for some reason, like more of them came into into passing or something. Does does that make sense at all? It was almost like it was a shadow of payment in Charlie. In my head, it's more of a Manchurian candidate uh, situation <laughs> where it doesn't, he doesn't really come to life until he's in a, a male body. He seems kind of like he was waking up while he was walking up into the, the treehouse at the end. That's my question, though. What is that look on his face? Is he nonplussed? Is he confused? Is he in, in awe or something? Like, what is it? Well, in my head, because the what's her... Uh, she's such a great actress, Ann Dowd. Tony uh, Collette. No, Ann Dowd in that oh. scene. She's comforting. Joan? Yeah, she's comforting Payman as Charlie, and she said she calls Payman Charlie even at that point. And so I kind of, in my head, it was like Payman literally has the brain of a twelve-year-old girl. Like he doesn't know like what's happening. Yet. He's been raised as a twelve-year-old girl like his whole life. Like he's gonna need to like figure out who he is kind of yeah it just <laughs> i don't know that's the way i took this movie it, there's so many different ways you can look at it but one of the scenes i loved and it drops a hint too is when tony Collette and her son peter go after each other at the dinner table Oof. and gabriel Byrne just has to sit through all of this because he's losing his fucking mind um and i also thought tony Collette should have been nominated for an oscar for this scene alone but when she stands up and pretty much says, and Peter, that fucking face on your fucking face, um, or she says, like, whatever, like, your stupid, like, fucking look on your fucking face or whatever, like, that didn't make sense at the time until, like, Peter looks in the reflection of himself at school and he's, like, looking back smiling at himself. I imagine Payman was jumping in Peter's body, like, around the house and giving that look to his mom. God of mischief. I guess that's one way they could like start separating the family at least. I guess so, CV, but to me that was just like explained in the normal chasm that there always is between like a teenager and their parent. Like what he the motions he's trying to convey aren't going through the right wavelengths to be received by the parent to like fully comprehend and like back and forth too, you know what I mean? Like I totally get what you're saying, but I think there doesn't have to be a supernatural explanation for that. It could just be like that family drama stuff. And then speaking of that family drama stuff, there's a little tag on the end of that scene, like after they have their huge blow up and like just screaming at each other and Tony Collette storms off and like Gabriel Byrne like tries to go back to eating his chicken. Like like nothing happened and he just can't. <laughs> and like it's not funny at all. It's the man like, having a nervous breakdown basically because of it. Really <laughs> right he tries to eat his chicken and he's just like, fuck my life. Yeah. <laughs> he just covers his face. <laughs> he needs a beer. Yeah. God, that poor bastard. Like the most normal person in this entire movie. And he's like the glue to this family. And it's just so heartbreaking. Like when he's driving his son back after he broke his nose at school. Uh, and he starts crying at the intersection. It's just absolutely heartbreaking. He's the devil, you know. End of days. That guy plays the devil. Is that Gabriel Byrne? Uh, yeah. With Schwarzenegger? Yeah. I haven't seen that movie since I was maybe nine years old. I did not know that was Gabriel Byrne. 
Two movie club? He's also Keaton in Usual Suspects, where you think he's going to be Kaiser Solse, but he's not. Is there something on your mind? Is there something on your mind? It just seems like there might be something you want to say. Yeah. Like what? I mean, why would I want to say something so I could watch you sneer at me? Sneer at you? I don't ever sneer at you. Oh, sweetie, you don't have to. You get your point across. Okay, so fine. Then say what you want to say then. Peter. I don't want to say anything. I've tried saying Okay, so try again. Release yourself. Oh, release you, you mean? Yeah, fine. Release me. Just say it. Just fucking say it. Don't you swear at me, you little shit. Don't you ever raise your voice at me. I am your mother. Do you understand? All I do is worry and slave and defend you. And all I get back is that fucking face on your face. So full of disdain and resentment and always so annoyed. Well, now your sister is dead. And I know you miss her. And I know it was an accident. And I know you're in pain. And I wish I could take that away for you. I wish I could shield you from the knowledge that you did what you did. But your sister is dead. She is gone forever. And what a waste. If it could have maybe brought us together or something. If you could have just said, I'm sorry, or faced up to what happened. Maybe, Pam, we could do something with this. But you can't take responsibility for anything. So now I can't accept. And I can't forgive. Because... Because nobody admits anything they've done! This movie kind of goes a million miles an hour from the point that uh, Peter wakes up after smashing his face until the very end. Corey, do you like scary movies? I like good ones. A lot of them are shitty, though, you know? like Not, <laughs> not a lot of scary movies are hereditary, so... <laughs> not everything can be hereditary, the collector, you know, the classics. <laughs> Well, you get like, you know, whatever, 15 horror movies a year, maybe, or however many it is, mm-hmm. and like 75% of them are just fucking trash. Did any part in this like last, I mean, really last 20 or 30 minutes like actually scare you at all? Because there's some really creepy parts in this house. Um, I, I guess to some like small degrees, I mean, I, I enjoyed it and I, I understand that it's scary. Like, I don't get like freaked out by it like you know outside of watching the movie mm-hmm. but i do think the creepy old people are fucking creepy <laughs> um, just like standing there menacingly is like perfect like you know they're not fucking chasing people around with their dicks flopping around and stuff like that would be <laughs> too much but like just like standing there pale and like dimly lit is like really strong i think and i, I don't know someone else might want to talk about this but in the attic, the slow build, you know, all the flies when he, Peter's Ugh. going up there, where he's running away from Tony Collette, but then suddenly she's in there, and you hear the sound, like the the really gross sound, mm-hmm. and he looks over at her, and she's like slicing at her neck with a cord, takes her head off. That's some good shit. I mean, it makes sense that I guess that's where the piano wire came from, because that's what woke Peter up was Payman flipping the piano and taking out one of the piano wires. Uh, Also, how she got in the attic, like, you guys saw that naked person standing behind Peter in the attic, right? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's who let Payman up there. And that sound of her cutting her head off was just so gross. Uh, but nothing grosser than looking down from your mother decapitating herself to seeing three ugly-ass naked people just smiling at you. Is that literally part of the ritual to resurrect Payman? Like, Because like the three generations of women all get decapitated, right? Like the, the grandma after she dies, the... Tony Collette does it to herself, and then obviously Charlie does it, like, or gets decapitated. Mm-hmm. Like, is that part of it? Because you even mentioned to me, like, you, you sent me a picture of that symbol. Like, it almost kind of looks like three heads. You know what I mean? So, in that, like, little cartoon on the book, if you look closely at it, it shows Payman riding a, a camel with, like, three heads at his side. And, like, that symbol they, like, have on, like, their necklaces or in the attic in blood or. At Joan's place, um, those like signify the three heads. And so for Payman to come back like in his final Frieza form. uh, (laughs) Golden Payman. Golden Payman, exactly. Um, He requires three heads. So that's where the heads come from. Mm. I mean, we should talk a little bit about the first head. We did mention it like a little bit, but um, the first beheading of Charlie... That is a fucking intense scene, man. Like, I, re- I I remember that feeling I got the first time I saw it rewatching it. Like, I didn't quite re-get it because I wasn't in a, a theater, you know, in mm-hmm. the dark on a big screen like I was the first time. But, man, when she's in the back choking and you're like, you know, your heart's racing, you're watching it. Oh, shit, is this kid going to die? She sticks her head out the window and, I mean, I just did not see that coming. And the, the sound effect for it is like... Like a like a low dull thud, it just works so perfectly. And Stevie, you asked me my most feared part of this movie, <laughs> and it was actually after this when he just goes home in a daze. Same. And they just, they're just showing mm-hmm. his face, and you can hear his mom slowly about to discover, then discovering the body. Mm-hmm. There's a similar scene in Road to Perdition where Tom Hanks discovers his wife and one of his sons murdered. And mm-hmm. uh, it made me laugh a little bit. It was kind of like over the top, and it was a really funny Tom Hanks sound. But I wasn't laughing in this one, Stevie, bud. It Blood was, curling. It was terrible. She's just screaming, I want to die, I want to <laughs> die. It hurts. It's like, th- like honestly... The fact that Tony Collette didn't get nominated like basically invalidates anything that the Oscars do. Like they have such a clear genre bias. Like there's no fucking reason you can't say this is one of like the best five performances of the year. It's she's amazing and like what she's asked to do from that to being possessed to being like a bitchy mom, like she's it's I I I think she's it's like one of the best horror performances. She's switching emotions on a dime Mm -hmm. when her husband is lit on fire like she's crying and then she's like calm immediately it's really good acting i know everyone goes to jack nicholson in the shining as like the greatest horror performance of all time but like tony tony collette's asked to do and does way fucking more than jack nicholson's asked to do and she's playing multiple characters and and for a lot of the movie jack is doing what jack does and he's being jack which is great but to me, I think this might be a little bit better. Yeah, uh, I think Tony just nails this movie. And it's such like a sad, I mean, 
it goes here in a hurry, but it's such a crawl into hell, like through her soul. It's just heartbreaking. And what Josh said, like the first time I watched this movie, like the scary part wasn't like Charlie's head coming off. I mean, also you're like in shock along with Peter because I thought it was such a natural reaction of his brain, like coming to realize what he had done. And, you know, it even becomes more heartbreaking when he's walking into his room and you hear Tony Collette say like, oh, good, they're both home. And that transition from Peter, like not even sleeping to his mom letting out that blood curling scream is just so awful and so dark. At some point in there, it cuts to the fucking the gore shot. And that's pretty oh. intense too. the severed head the next day with the, the ants, ants crawling all over it. Ooh, I hate ants. It's just such a dark movie. Um, but I want to get to the ending because one of my favorite parts of this entire movie is I kind of get your guys' take on it. Because I think it's, I, know, I understand it's dark as hell, but I think it's somewhat beautiful uh, with the music behind it. Like, what do you guys think of like Payman being up like in his temple and like hearing those like trumpets and horns going off in the background? Because it's a very A24 ending. Not beautiful. Not beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> it's. I guess maybe it's beautiful, but it's such like a warped sense of beauty. Yes. It's mm-hmm. disturbing. Mm-hmm. It's like this is... I, when I was listening to that music, Stevie, it reminds me of like... If there was a totally separate like culture on earth that we never had contact with and they would show us like that's is, what we'd be playing this is what our happy music sounds like and it kind of sounds happy but it's like i would never fucking listen to this shit like it's this is exactly what it like it reads to me it sounds like otherworldly which is the point mm-hmm. is it the same ending as midsummer stevie we've talked about this in the witch <sighs> all spoilers podcast the, the Fitch. this is like the holy trinity of the midsomar and hereditary which is how would you how would you characterize those endings at a high level like what category why do they all qualify in the same basket lost soul joins the bad guys to gain a family yep like that's how the, that's how the holy trinity of the vavitch midsomar and hereditary all come together like, I love all three of those endings. They all make sense in, like, the frame of the fil- each film. Uh, but A24 is making a name for itself, which is, you know, Lost Soul joins the bad guys. Hail Payman! Hail Payman! Hail Payman! All right, well, before we get into yes or no's, do you guys have anything else you want to add with this film? Payman's Shrine at the very end is really cool and really creepy. <laughs> I mean, it's just a shrine. It's not a... It, this this movie doesn't do a lot of, like, jump scares. It doesn't do things that a lot of horror movies do. But, like, the atmosphere and the way certain things look and the way people act and the music, those things make for really good scenes. And that ending scene has that cool shrine, and it's just fucking disturbing. And I like it. It almost makes fun of jump scares. Like, the only jump scares you get are literally a little... Yeah, the jump scares are just, like, people in the background, very dimly lit, Mm -hmm. that you'll notice. Yeah, Tony Collette's growl when she chases (laughs) Peter is quite frightening. Uh, But for Corey's point, though, like, maybe that's why Payman was so confused, because he saw his severed head on top of, like, 
copper and tin. Uh, that's maybe what I took from it. I don't know, because he was so used to looking in the mirror in that face. Charlie is literally Payman the whole time, right? I don't know if we've explicitly said that, but that's... There never was a Charlie in my mind. She was born a demon, always was yes. a demon. Okay, Stevie says that, but then he also says Payman is jumping in and out of his body, pulling all these tricks around the house, smiling in mirrors and such. He wasn't activated yet. He wasn't consciously activated. (laughs) He was just in stasis, Josh. Well, like that seance that they do, that doesn't bring back Charlie. That like lets in more bad. It kind of puts payment into overdrive. Yeah. That's not a good idea for her to read that note. (laughs) Still the most horrifying part of that entire movie. Which is given to her by Joan, who goes by Joni. An interesting little nugget that I saw was that that's what Ryan Johnson named Tony Collette's character in Knives Out. Really? I just know that because that's that's my mom's name, so I like noticed that. Knives Out, also a great movie. Josh probably hates it, though, because it's Ryan Johnson. It's Ruin Johnson. <laughs> no, no. Listen, I'm not like that, and I'm, uh, I like Brick. I'm like the only one on this podcast that also likes Brick. So. Ugh. <laughs> See? Stevie, did Brett have any good Brett questions? Because like, even though he didn't watch the movie and read the Wikipedia, you had like a laundry list of questions. Are any of those like interesting? I answered all of them for Brett, um, which I, I think he's happy because he, he doesn't have to watch it. I could have been a prick and been like, we got to watch it, Brett. <laughs> um, let's see. He asked if any of the decapitations were cool. I said they only showed two, and they were cool. Um he asked uh, if there ever was a Charlie or was it just payment the whole time, payment the whole time. He asked why Peter slammed his face in the desk. So Wikipedia obviously not doing a good job of explaining this. It was payment. Um, but if he was in Charlie's body, why is he messing around with him at his school? Charlie's dead, bro. He was. She was dead at that point. That yeah. was a pretty. That was good acting by Alex Wolf, by the way. The face contortion and his like arm up and that really weird slant that was disturbing as well. Didn't he like really break his nose or something? He wanted scene? to break his own nose, and Ari was like, "Chill the fuck out, bro. This is a movie. We <laughs> use prosthetics in this town." <laughs> I mean, how could he not? It seems like he's really smashing his face there, but he's like, "I really wanted to get a shout out, like Viggo Mortensen and." <laughs> The two towers when he breaks his foot. Everyone knows that, he right? He actually broke his nose there. He actually broke his foot. He wants to be an IMDb trivia yeah. fact so bad. <laughs> uh, here's a question for you guys you can answer. He goes, what's the deal with sketchbooks in this family? What's the deal with sketchbooks? I don't think Wikipedia did a great job of describing this movie. I really don't. Payman trying to process what's happening, right? Like he's drawing his brother and his dad and stuff. That's the way I saw it. Like, it was like Payman's view of the world. That's like when that girl said, like, she made me look retarded. It's probably how Payman, like, saw the world. How many uh, orgies do you think these uh, old people get up oh. to? <laughs> so <laughs> They're many. They're clearly naked all the time. At least cult. once a month. They definitely look like a nudist colony. I thought they were all old people, too. But one of the IMDb facts said that one of his... One of, <laughs> one of Peter's bros that he's smoking a bowl with earlier is on he's his knees. Like, yeah, he's like in that cult, sacrificing him. It's crazy. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, he was the one that was uh, giving him that herb uh, when he was smoking weed. Hmm. 
how many people quit smoking because of this movie? Man, you get so paranoid. (laughs) (laughs) Tell you what, I like that party. They got drugs and cake. Everyone can hang out. (laughs) Something for everyone. Who's just chopping up a bunch of almonds on the counter? Like a whole that was like fifty bucks worth of Someone almonds. Someone on a lot of drugs, Mikey. Someone <laughs> on a plethora of drugs. Can I ask a question to the group? And I think I feel pretty strongly about this. Like Tony Collette is way more to blame for the death of Charlie than uh Alex Wolf, right? One hundred percent. You should never let your how old is okay? How old is Charlie? But she should have never gone to that party. Thirteen. Yeah, that was just dumb. He's like, I'm gonna go to this high school rager. Uh, can I borrow the car? She's like, Yeah, take your kid's take your sister. sister. Yeah, don't bring the epipen. What is with them forgetting that fucking thing all the time? Like, what? <laughs> what is going on? Didn't it seem like too? I think even worse is that it seemed like Tony Collette didn't want to be around mm-hmm. Charlie anymore. So that's why he she sent her off to the party, which mm-hmm. is pretty horrifying to think about. She calls Charlie an idiot right before that. She goes, "What?" that's like when Charlie is like wandering outside and she sees the grandma just sitting like crisscross applesauce in a ring of fire, like smiling. <laughs> and she goes out there and she's like, what are you, some kind of idiot or something? You're going to freeze. And it's like, damn. And she's like really aggressively pulls her like yeah i'm with you i i thought that she was just sending her away to get her out of her face and that's that's a hundred percent on tony collette do you think that maybe subconsciously she knows something is off because like her grandma was breastfeeding charlie for a while like she's gotta know that's not right like she's gotta know something's up yes and i have a theory about this if you care to hear it stevie i really want to know what Stevie want to hear it okay so i think that Annie, Tony Collette, like her inner self, her like soul knew shit was fucked, right? And her she her soul was basically saying the best thing you can do for your kids is to kill them. Yes. And it's trying to show them that in a dream. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's like when she was talking like about that story about how she was covered in paint thinner from head to toe, as were her kids, and she was holding a match. Like she was subconsciously subconsciously telling her like that was her like subconscious protecting her children was killing them like because of the grandma and the things that she experienced like with her father and her brother. And it's also like why she tried to like rip Peter's head off. Like, I think it was more of like her, like trying to protect them by killing them. So grandma was raising Tony Collette in this like cult the entire time. She would have been more of a disappointment to her grandma because she was a girl and her brother was probably a serious fixation for her. And that's why he ended up committing suicide. And same mm. with the dad, like both committing suicide. And so, I mean, it was one of those things where uh, they were estranged because of it. And the grandma didn't have any use for Tony Cola until Peter was born. And by that point, they weren't speaking at all. And so when she got pregnant again, she was like praying for it to be a boy. And that's how she got back in her life. Uh Or Tony Collette was payment and it didn't pan out because she never got transferred (laughs) into a man. And then she passed on payment to Charlie. And then grandma took over for Charlie. Grandma took care of Charlie until transferred to, to Peter. Well, she was dead by then, but interesting. I do have one final thought, if that's okay. Have at it. So, 
I think the only reason that we get in the movie as in terms of like why these people are in this cult and why they're bringing back payment is a single image in the book that Tony Collette <laughs> yes. finds. And it says, riches to the conjurer. <laughs> and it has a picture of some <laughs> dumb fucking idiot sitting on top of a mountain of treasure. It looks like a Shel like Silverstein a- creature. Like it's- <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, that's it. Riches to the conjurer, you get to be a fucking idiot <laughs> sitting on top of this thing in a cave or whatever. That's convinced me to bring back payment. I don't know about you. Mm. That's all I need. <laughs> a mountain of gold. <laughs> yeah, they really want that secret knowledge that Payman has to give them. And I love that look at the end. He's just like, fuck all of you people. Um, the one last note I have is I didn't notice this until I watched it uh, yesterday, which is when it cuts from day to night, like on the night where, you know, the Payman Satanic Treehouse Temple has come to life. Um, that exterior shot of the home, I never noticed there's like 45 naked people standing around it. <laughs> Some guy moves his arm and then you can see yeah. them standing in the background. Yeah. And also the, um, the shot where it shows Peter on the outside, like from his room, and you can see the breath coming off of someone breathing, watching him. Very cool stuff. <laughs> we were talking about how Ari Aster is like a control freak and like OCD. And I read that he handpicked every member of the cast. He's just like going through all these old naked people trying to find <laughs> the right ones. Like, <laughs> the right bags and the right dongs to fill out his vision. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real casting couch situation. <laughs> all righty. Well, are you guys ready for some yes or no's? Yeah, yeah. Let's go from Weesis to Esis this time. Okay. This is Corey, Kylo Ren, memes. I'm going to give this a yes. It's a very good movie. Even though it's a horror movie, it's still good. Now, some of you might know what I mean by that, but uh, like I mentioned before, a lot of horror movies are just trash, and there's like no care put into it. They're just jump scares for fucking teenagers. This is not that. This is a smart horror movie, and it's a actually a scary horror movie. And like Stevie likes to say, it's a good family drama. It has some amazing performances. It sets a really strong tone really early in the movie. It maintains it. Sometimes it's like a slow burn, but I'm definitely into that. It's just all around really good. Uh, this guy's going places. Ari Aster. That kid, keep an eye on him. It's yes for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the places you'll go, Ari Aster. Uh, this is Pappy, recording from Louisville. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that you said smart horror, Corey, because there was a movement back in the 20-teens where people were labeling A24 movies and, and some other like smaller studios. They were calling them smart horror a thoughtful horror like actually good horror and steve and i have talked about that a lot and we and like spoilers we've basically done almost all of the movies like from this movement from like it follows to uh it comes a night like stevie mentioned but this to me is like the epitome of that movement i think it's an absolute masterpiece and i don't throw that word around very often on the podcast it's so perfectly constructed and it's constructed in that kind of way where it's like someone's been like waiting for their debut movie like for so long and there's, like, there's so many thoughtful things like there's clearly clearly someone in Ari Aster's life I, I, I wouldn't want to speculate I guess but who has 
similar mental problems or his family has gone through similar tragedies to like where he's really pulling from that. And that that shows in this movie. It is genuinely fucking terrifying. Like not many movies at all scare me. And this really gets me. And I, last but not least, like I said, like everyone I've ever seen seems to be consistently saying like the more you watch this movie, the more you love it. Like I said, I've seen it like four times now. And like the watch I did for this pod was by far my favorite. I was picking up on so many things I'd never seen before. So definite, definite hard. Yes. One of the great horror movies ever made. I would go as far as to say hereditary, check it out. And the biggest Academy award snub in my lifetime for Tony Collette, but a hard yes for hereditary. Uh, it's a definite. Yes. Um, I agree with the smart horror, uh, comment. It's, got a lot of things going for it the editing is awesome there's a bunch of clues uh for all of the crazy cult stuff going on in the background and little clues left on tables and stuff like that and it's all really cool to see and watch unfold if you watch it multiple times um so i like that stuff and uh yeah i just love the cult twist ending i love when the supernatural thing is real in this world and it turns out to be like Satanism is a real thing in this world and it's got real consequences Um, I thought the reveal was great with the photograph book and stuff like that but yeah Ari Aster he's really really good at what he does and I think he's just got a really distinct style and he's all of his movies just like really stick with you in a way that other horror movies are not doing right now so he's probably the best in the game at horror and yeah this is definitely his best movie so it's a hard yes this is josh from goshen i'm gonna attempt to pull us out of ari aster's ass just a little bit here Uh, i think okay just taking the opening scene speed that pan up on that super slow shot i know you got a cool payoff where they're going into the miniature but you're just saying like we're gonna move slowly and this is gonna be dreadful and i think you could have earned it without that beginning that said this movie is not torture porn it's it's an (laughs) amazing it's an amazing movie that is that is scary um I don't. I still need to think about the ending more and how everything lines up. And I have way more Stevie questions um, that maybe we can talk about on the side, Stevie. But I, I think that the like cult stuff is really what makes this movie pop for me. Um, I'm really into like that supernatural sort of like thinking and like. I caught myself trying to read like all the pages of those books that they kept like flashing up on the screen and even pausing, cheating and pausing a couple of times. Um, and Tony Collette takes you from like a relatable mother mourning the death of her distant mother to like this just batshit off the wall, <laughs> crazy person at the end. And you buy her like fully along the way. She's brilliant. And as far as the family drama stuff goes, I haven't seen this mentioned before about this particular movie, but like the family drama scenes really remind me of Signs in a way. Um, I'm thinking of like Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix talking over dinner, and all this like crazy stuff is like happening in the background, and people are like half believing that, and also having these other discussions over the top of it. 
something about there is being tapped into by both M. Night Shyamalan and um, Ari Aster here, and it makes for really impelling content. So, compelling content, I should say. So, big yes for me. Sorry if that was a little long-winded, but a, a very hard yes for Hereditary. Cool. Well, um, this is a super hard yes for me. I absolutely love this movie. It's probably my favorite horror movie ever made. And I, I mean, I enjoy scary movies. And this, I think, is just an absolute cut above the rest. And you guys are talking about smart horror. I think what's cool about Ari Aster does is, I mean, it's not this way in a lot of movies, especially in movies with a lot of jump scares. It's not... A lot of jump scares will be what's scariest for the audience. And what I think is really neat what Ari Aster does is he takes that mold and says, well, what's scariest for our characters? And that really comes to light in this movie in a really awesome way. Acting is great. Um, the way they shot it was really cool. Sets and music are fantastic. So hard yes for my favorite horror movie of all time. Do you have an example of that? What's that? Where it's like the scariest thing for the character versus the oh, audience. Oh, I mean, just an idea of it would be during the seance scene where they're trying to bring Charlie back. Um, or Peter driving. I mean, that was the worst possible outcome. That was him. the worst possible outcome. Also, um, you know, during that seance scene when, they're tra- when she's trying to bring Charlie back, Gabriel Byrne is not into it. But it's really affecting Peter. Like, really, really affecting Peter. He wants his mom to stop. He wants his mom to stop. And, you know, like a lesser movie would have, you know, had a demon pop out of the corner or had, you know, a demon, you know, voice become really loud. But what do they do? They bring Charlie's voice out of his mom. And that's one thing that would just terrify Peter. So that's an example of that, Josh. It's a good one. And that is your least favorite part to see yeah it (laughs) just freaks me the fuck out (laughs) well are you guys ready for some trivia yes oh i like that mikey you win yes all right what's your pick gonna be (laughs) okay so arachnophobia won last time you had trivia (laughs) arachnophobia brett can't back out this week (laughs) okay so let's see here Pappy so graciously sent me the trivia order. Good it Pap. goes Corey, Pappy, then George, then Mikey. Corey, what was the last movie you hosted? The It miniseries, a stark contrast to this one. Yeah, so Mikey, what was the last movie you hosted? The Rock. Uh, the Rock? Was it The Rock? Uh, does it matter? Am I th- I'm just curious. Oh. Uh, I, don't, I can't remember. I don't know. I miss you hosting movies. So, ask me. Ask me. What was the last movie you hosted, George? Alrighty then. <laughs> Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Okay, Pappy, can you put on the music, um, The Headless Horseman from the Disney movie, Ica- The Adventures of Ichabod Crane? You got it. Okay, <gasps> we deal with heads coming off left and right in this movie. <laughs> So, my question for you is, when was the original story of Sleepy Hollow published? What year? 1412. Okay. Uh, 1412 for Corey. Okay. Like Kyla doesn't want to win back-to-back, Kyla. <laughs> is that too late? 
Uh, Should we have gone BC? On that. <laughs> okay, Pappy. When did Columbus sail? Did the colonial st- Okay, I'm gonna say. <laughs> 1694. 1694. Chorish. <sighs> I mean, was were things even published in in the 1600s? Good point. The were Bible was. Even a thing? Uh, may have been a I'm gonna go guess. way later than y'all. Um, I'm gonna say like I'll say 1900 even. Changing 500. And Mikey. Vegas vacation. Yes, thank you for getting that. Uh, I'm going to go back to the 80s. The 1780s. <laughs> 1781. 17. Oh my god. Let me do the math on this. And your winner! Mikey, you are hosting our next episode of <gasps> Spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Retail price, the original year this was published, year of our Lord, 1820. Wait, wow. are you sure it wasn't 1412? I am positive. <laughs> Kyle, if you're going to take Mikey, dives, <laughs> just, just say something. I was going to say one, you. but I was like, nah, I'll just pick a... A year. That's wrong. What? What is it? Are you scared you're going to lose if you actually try hard? Like, what is this attitude, Corey? Come on. I just can't take any more editing for a I while. I guess he has so. a real podcast <laughs> needs to worry about not participating in this one fully. Corey jumped out of the window, Peter style, and landed in the bushes. Oh, yeah. God. He's okay. He's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's kick it over to spoilers, man, so Mike can think about what he's going to pick next for spooky spoilers. Take it away, spoilers, man. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcast spoilers. Welcome Back before we have Mikey pick our next movie for spooky spoilers, Pappy, you have some reviews to read us. I have one new review, and those are like reviews are one of the nicest things you can do to support this podcast. This is from Brian, 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 B R A N O N. I don't know how you say it. Brian, good start. 2019. (laughs) Very funny. Two explanation points. Five stars. Once you understand who everyone on the pod is, the show flows great. It's amazing they don't all just talk over each other. Well, I agree that it's amazing that we never talk over each other. We're just that good of podcasts. <laughs> I feel like I have a very distinctive, sultry, uh, deep baritone voice. I'm surprised you can't tell me from Brett. That's kind of disappointing. And how do they but... not know that I'm me? <laughs> <laughs> well said, Mikey. <laughs> Oh, that is awesome. Please continue to leave us reviews. We love it. And we'll read them on the pod. So your voice will be heard. Mikey, what are we listening to next for Spooky Spoilers? Uh, Well, Pap loves to take suggestions from our audience and then never follow through with those requests. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Classic Pappy. Um... I have been messaging one person 
uh, on Twitter who has requested um, a Stephen King movie. We're going back, not to Derry, but to spoop, Spoopy Maine, uh, and we're going to watch The Mist. Uh, that Let's request is by uh, Chokey, who follows us on a bunch of stuff. I love Sweet. it. Sweet. And uh, just so you guys know, I tried renting that, and it's only available to buy, so please get us a stream. And uh, Are there two versions of The Mist? Oh, shoot. I think you're right. We better get on that. Corey. Are we watching the Thomas Jane version? Pivot. That's the popular one. I th- yeah, it's the Thomas Jane one. Okay, we're watching the Thomas Jane one. All right, cool. I like that one. Well, as always, thank you for listening to Spooky Spoilers. Whoa! Sorry, Pap. I did that horribly. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you for listening once again. And uh, go watch Re- go watch Hereditary now if you haven't seen it. It's such a terrifying film and don't be like Josh who watched it during the day absolute amateur hour watching it watch it at night like it was intended to be but I did watch it did you watch did watch it. it so I'll give you so much props for that Brett watch the movie don't read it just watch the movie man up and watch the movie and uh, that was spoilers Probably me. I, I don't know. There's like probably a good editing joke you can make with like, do you remember in Austin Powers when like the guy's head like comes off and not like Austin just makes like six like decapitation jokes in a row until it's like <laughs> totally played out? Yeah. <laughs> do that here. Yeah, exactly. I just had, I got that on the hijack, so I'll remember. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Hey you guys got me. Josh, What's I think up, you're, I think you're one of the best podcasters around. <laughs> no one's literally ever said that. I, I think it's true, Josh. <laughs> I root for you to win trivia every time. In some circles, Josh is described as the greatest podcaster in the world. It was just such weird phrasing to me. I was like, what? <laughs> greatest showman. In some circles, I heard they call Josh Payman. <laughs> King Payman. No. King Payman. Sold his soul for a golden microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I like how in the, like, actually, I guess I'll just talk about it later when we're doing the actual pod. Test, test, test. That's sidekicks pod that i did with josh though is like a really good one i think yeah it's just a shame that like no one listens to that one (laughs) because no one's seen that movie i honestly kind of like big dumb movie as much when i haven't seen the movie as when i have Hmm. because sometimes i know it's just a movie i'm never ever gonna watch but i can get the details on what's in the movie from you guys like like the three ninjas sequels (laughs) well i'm really tempted to watch those though the last one we did, the Native American one, is is especially bad. What do you mean by bad? It, it's it feels like it's not a real movie. Like it looks like a real movie, but it doesn't feel like a real movie. Okay, like bad, bad, or bad to the bone. <laughs> oh. oh.
<laughs> Bad Boys 2 street that, team. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, Kid and King Arthur's <laughs> Court. I love that movie. Was Henry, was Henry Rowan Gardner in that movie? Yeah. Oh, he's good old his, good old rabbit boozer. His Cubs uniform in the whole movie. Ky- <laughs> Kyla, did you listen to the Cine Study pod of the top nineties? Yeah. Dude, you yeah. you describing surf ninjas is the funniest shit to me in the whole wide world. I was <laughs> laughing so hard. It's not so bad. It's good. It's evolved past that. <laughs> I'm just so happy that Corey knows what that movie is. I thought I was going to go through life and never meet or talk to another soul outside of my sister that knew what that movie was. So stupid. It's amazing. I think that's why I like podcasting. It's because we get to have these discussions that like I I was always like trying to have with someone growing up. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to talk about sidekicks and like, no one had seen it outside of my family. And people just told me to fuck off over and over again. I'm not talking about fucking sidekicks again <laughs> with you. <laughs> I know. Like every conversation I pop up. What about the Western bit? That's pretty good, right? Was that the one that there's not, you can't see anymore? Sidekicks? Yeah, but you can watch like VHS transfers on YouTube. Right, but, but it's not no- like, le- there's no legit way to watch it. Or he gave me a copy where the the lip sync was like four seconds off and I had to change it in my yeah. own editing software. Jeez. No, I remember you said you used Premiere and Steve thought that was the funniest shit in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and he railed on you for using QuickTime, which I thought was a little <laughs> over the line. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, he was very judgmental. But it's so funny that Steve has any right to talk about people using outdated formats. Yeah. <laughs> The guy uses Betamax tapes or whatever. He he's like obsessed with Laserdisc. Laserdisc. He's, he's always telling me about the Laserdiscs he's buying and shit. The superior format. <laughs> Why? <laughs> he just likes to collect like old media. Like it's just his thing. It has the word laser in it. It's the best. Okay. How many does he have? How do you even watch that? <laughs> He was sending me pictures of like an old like gaming (laughs) system he has too, like the the Japanese Famicom, which I think was like the early version of Super Nintendo or something. Oh my gosh. Imagine if something breaks on his, how how big of a pain it is to get that shit fixed or replaced. (laughs) I don't think you do. I think he's got to find a new one on eBay. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing about like, when people collect shit like that and they think it's going to be worth money, it's like, dude, you're the only person who wants that. It's only worth <laughs> someone who, you're, nerd who likes this crap. You're not going to find someone more obsessed with this than you at any it's point. It's like Disney pins, Pat. They're only worth what people want them to be worth. Yeah. The only pins, person paying yeah. a premium on it is you, you sucker. You've Dumbass. already spent the highest no. money on it. Well, possible. In some things, it's weird how like nostalgia like inflates the price of something. Like N64 games... Because I buy some for my nephews and nieces because they have an actual N64. They're the same price now as they were when they were new. So, mm. like, you would think you buy an N64 game for five, ten bucks. No, they're actually like people charging 30 to 50 bucks for them. What? Yeah. Well, I have one. Well, they aren't getting made anymore. This, like, Super Mario RPG game that I have for Super Nintendo, I looked it up. This is like 90 bucks. Like, you oh, have yeah. that game? Yeah, I know it's, about that. That game crazy. wasn't in print for very long. That's a one. That's an awesome game, and two, yeah. like 
That's uh, that, but that was like a rare game when I was a kid. You know, it's depreciated its value. Is that that's on the like Super Nintendo, uh, like mini console thing they came out with? That's one of the uh, games on there. Oh, so, it like, is. there's there's ways to play it now. Like, with Mikey is the proud player. owner of the most expensive game on the market right now. It or what was PT, it? PT man. PT the hardest game to get again because they took it off of the yeah. PSN. Mikey Mikey can sell that game never... for a thousand dollars right now. Wait, what why? Game? What? You can't download it again, so I'd have to sell my. PSN name too because it's tied to that. Oh, it's what a is Flappy it? Bird situation. Yeah, I'd have to. It's be like me selling my iPhone. I'd have to sell my whole console. That's a horror game. Do. PT. Yeah, it was. It's, it's only a half hour long, and it's it's like it's a demo. It's right? like a video game it's a version of Hereditary. It's terrifying. <laughs> Wait, it, are you guys? It really is. Yeah. <laughs> PT. What does that mean? What are you saying? It, it, it was just called PT. It was supposed to be the next Silent Hill with Norman Reedus. And the creator and um, the distributor got in a big fight before they were officially making the whole game. So they just scrapped it. And it's like a, it's demo, just like a teaser trailer for the game. Yeah, it's like a half hour long. And I remember I would only play it in the dark and I could get about five minutes in at a time. It was so scary. It's supposed to be like the scariest game. If you look up lists, it's usually on like those things. I, I didn't care for it because like there was times you had to turn around. And if you turn around the wrong way, there was typically something horrifying that would happen to you. It's the best. Yeah. Fun game. Y'all ready for this? Yeah. Starting early with no Brett. Did I send you the trivia order, Stevie? No. Fuck, I started typing it. Guys, get that now. Is it okay? What's that? Guys, get that to you now. Yeah, give it to me now. It's my least favorite bit because I panic and it seems like such a big deal. That's why the listeners love it. I love the fear. Like it feels like such a big deal in my head, and even though I edit it, and I know I can just take out the pause, I'm like panicking, trying to get it so fast. Okay, Corey, Pappy, Corey, Pappy, Josh, Mikey, George, Mikey, Copy. Kylo asked me hours in advance. He's very What's that? for the trivia order. He's very punctual. Oh, yeah, it's almost like as good that. as timestamps. Timestamps. Hey. So official. I was good with the timestamps thing, actually. Lord of the Rings in November. Official. 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 Yeah. Hey boys, and after Babbit arrives, I had a talk with the wife, and her exact words were. I know you enjoy this, and you can't just turn off your entire life for this baby. So do the pod as much as you want. Really? Mm-hmm. I thought you were about to say something totally different. I th- yeah, you were setting us up for the opposite thing. That's what's <laughs> fun Why about you... life, is it not? <laughs> what That's what's fun about you life. You accept <laughs> one thing, and I give you another. I know you. this means a lot to you, but I want you to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what? what she said. <laughs> so That's awesome. Wrong conjunction. That's cool. Uh, so about two weeks after she's born, I'll probably be back on full swing. That'd be, we're, we're gonna have a big backlog going into it. That'd be perfect. 
Yeah, so hopefully won't have to miss a beat. Lord of the Rings was supposed to be August, was it not? Well... Off. <laughs> I didn't... Josh, I... I'm formally apologizing for timestamps. I didn't oh know. Oh my it. god! I didn't know it really bothered you. I never would have done it. I never would have done it if I knew it was I real. I never would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being Whoa. sincere. I don't know. <clears throat> Thanks. I'm, Thanks, man. I'm okay. It's a, it's all right. No, it's all good. Josh, if you do the thing you did last time with the doc, I'll grab the timestamps. I mean, it's not that big a deal. I thought it was a joke too. I didn't know it was a thing. Yeah, it's a joke. He takes it very personally. I do. Oh my god. No, I didn't. Thing I, to- I told Pappy that uh, it just it becomes way too much like my normal job as soon as I see timestamps in my mind, and I can't help it. But it's all right. It's what we it. need to do for the yeah. best of the pie. It's fine. It's all I'm gonna help you with the timestamps, bro. I got you. I'm down to. <laughs> we should. Will you carry them for a while? Yeah. <laughs> well, Share yeah. the load. <laughs> Share the load. Sorry, Pap. What? <laughs> Nothing. Never mind. What? I'm ready. I was gonna say we could all like help with the notes and stuff, but that's yeah. We'll figure that out. Hey guys. Also, I'm gonna say something pretty outlandish for the spoiler, but Pap is gonna go over it with a hijack. Uh, so okay. it'll make sense. It'll make sense after I say it. Cool. No problem. Okay. Ready. 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 Actually, right. give me a quick second. <laughs> like, just hold on. Hold on. Supposed to start at seven o'clock. What the fuck? Some of us gotta work I tomorrow. I forget your three hours back, man. <laughs> Whoa, so is jealous. that a Brett impression? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, <laughs> this this is Did you hear his voice when <laughs> you said that? <laughs> <laughs> that was. I can't do it oh, again. God. I'm ready. I'm ready. I could not I just, possibly have that much. I, I wasn't can't get over. I wasn't Kylo. convinced you were a gun owner. So <laughs> I just can't get over that Kylo said socialism in Pennywise's voice during the it pod. <laughs> Still one of the single funniest things I've ever heard on this pod. <laughs> you have no idea how excited I am for you guys to hear this edit. Oh, my God. That is so funny. Bro just comes out with a socialist. <laughs> <laughs> God, Kyle, you cracked my shit up, man. <laughs> oh. Ready. Ready? Yeah. Hey, Pat, Ready. do you actually want me to say what the hijack is going to say? Do you want me to say insert yeah, hijack? S- just say it. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> I, I don't do a good impression, though. But all You right. got it. You got it. Bring the energy. All right. Here we go. It's, it, it's an Al Pacino hijack, so just picture Al Pacino's voice. Mikey. Okay. Three... Two, one, go. Not a good time to lose one's head. Indeed. That's not the way to get ahead in life. No. It's a shame he wasn't more headstrong. Mm. He'll never be the head of a major corporation. Okay, that'll do. Okay. That was spoilers.